if I had a podcast back in the day and I got to go out and play Michael tonight, you know, <laughs> talking shit about whatever, that's hard. If you were in your playing days, would you know better than to do yes. that? <laughs> yes. Before they get in your business, be in charge of your business. Own it because it's your business, your business, business. Handle all of your business, value all of your business. You say you're minding your business, my business. What's up, what's up, good people? Welcome into Montgomery & Company. I'm Renee Montgomery. We got Rex Chapman today, you guys. I'm really excited because I love to talk to people that have one, lived the same life I lived and he was a professional athlete in the NBA, but also have just been through a lot and are now excelling. And that's exactly what he's doing. He's a host of the podcast Owned. I'm going to be on that podcast with him. And then he also comes on our podcast to talk about, I mean, he gets very candid about recovering from his addiction. Um, he talks about playing against Michael Jordan, new age media, a little bit of everything. And then the group, we also talk about, listen, everybody's on tour right now. Beyonce, Drew. Taylor Swift, we get into it. Let's go! Okay, so whenever I talk to athletes, I instantly think about self-care. And I'm going to talk to Rex a little bit more about it when it comes to mental health and the athletic space. Those things used to be like oil and water. They did not mix. You did not talk about it. But now it's talked about freely. And I was honestly, I was just on a meeting yesterday and... It was a business meeting, a work meeting, and people were talking about how do you have self-care while you're still performing at work or how do you take care of yourself while you're in the thick of it, basically. And so, you know, I always sports explain things in a sense of make it into sports terms. And so when we were having this conversation, you can think about like, these are people maybe in the sports world and then they're like, all right, how do you find moments for yourself when there's three or four games every week? Where do you find the time for yourself? Because when there's not a game, you still have practice. And so how do you get away? How do you check out mentally? How do you take care of yourself while you're in the thick of it? And it's tough because the easy answer is to, yeah, I'm going to set time aside. I'm going to do my meditations. I'm going to plan this hour for this. And anybody that knows life happens and you had a plan to start at nine, but then the dog did this and your daughter did this. And now you're starting at 1030 and you put, you can make all kinds of plans, but how do you stay locked in and actually take care of your mental health? And so some of the things that were said on the call, I thought I would just pass them along because I feel like everybody, we all get in these moments where we call it in the dog days of the season where you're halfway through the season or it's right before all-star break, or it's just those moments where you just got to figure it out. You got to tough it out. So what are ways when you're in those dog days that you can just take care of yourself, take care of your mentals? So these are some of the suggestions that Honestly, professionals, executives, C-suite members were tossing around. And so I'm going to pass them along to you because I thought that they could be helpful. And so the first one that I thought was good, and this could be for somebody that if you're in a leadership role or if you're not in a leadership role, it's when you do have a day off, actually take the day off. I know it sounds crazy, but it's easy to have a day off and still not actually work on stuff but be worried about the stuff that you need to work on. So you spent your whole day off thinking about all the things that you're going to have to do when you're no longer on your day off. And so then when you get back after the day off, do you even feel like you had a day off? So that's the thing. It sounds good. Um, it sounds easy, but really find out a way to like not worry about the things that you have to do when you go back to work. Again, easier said than done. Athletes have to do it all the time where everything in your world could be breaking down and then you just have to figure out a way to lock in. It's game time and you have to perform. So it's an athlete mentality, but you have to get that. When it's time to turn it off, it's time to turn it off. And then don't get so stuck on plans. This is something that you know a high executive said where you might have planned to leave the house at nine to get to work early. And of course, these times aren't right. You might've planned to leave the house at four you wanted to get to work early. You wanted to get to work before everybody so that you could catch up on everything. And then life happened and you didn't actually leave the house until the exact normal time that you leave the house every morning. You could easily have a meltdown. Like, you know, like everybody could easily be so frustrated with, dog, I wanted to get ahead. This was my chance. This was my day. The advice from a high executive was that 
you got to let that go. Like you can't let that make your whole day be a bad day because you started out bad. You could start out having a bad day and then you yourself can change that day. So a way to kind of just help yourself get out of a rut is don't let one thing turn into an all day thing. That was an advice from them. You made one thing went wrong. And now at the end of the day, you had 20 things go wrong because of the first one thing that went wrong. Don't let that happen. And then the last advice, if you're in the dog days and you still got to just figure it out, is that you have vacation days or there's vacation breaks that happen. Plan something. And when I say plan something, this was something that was brought up on the call as well. You may not have the money to actually plan somewhere to go. So plan your staycation, plan to binge watch the, the show that you've been meaning to watch, but been too busy to watch, plan to have all the snacks that you wanted to have that you haven't been eating because you've been trying to be good. Just plan something for yourself because those little breaths, even if it's just a one, two day getaway that you plan a staycation for yourself mentally it may help you. So we're all in our dog days. We're all trying to figure it out. We're all in our grind. Some people have 511 jobs. Some people are taking care of 511 people. Some people forget to take care of themselves. And so I just want everybody, these are advice from athletes, from people that are executives and for people that are employees trying to figure it out. You got to find a way to have self-care and take care of yourself because we all got to take care of ourselves. So now I'm going to have a conversation with Rex Chapman, who has honestly had to figure out self-care at the highest level once you've hit rock bottom. But now he's done exactly that. So excited to talk to former NBA player Rex Chapman coming up next. Rex Chapman and I love talking to former athletes turned because we all turn into something now he's the host of a podcast owned where he talks about sports ownership and dives into that world but you might have seen him as an analyst I love him on Twitter but we're going to get all into it Rex thank you for joining us here on Montgomery and Co. Renee I'm so happy to be here we've been threatening to do this for months uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm really I'm really excited I just love your energy I love your story uh, I'm from Kentucky you're from neighboring West Virginia so yes. I've, fo I've followed your career I'm, I'm really honored to be doing this love it thank you Rex don't threaten me with a good time so <laughs> so we're on podcast the podcast right now so how did you come up with the idea to like everybody's coming up with ideas to start podcasts but why sports ownership it wasn't me I'm again I'm not that guy I'm not the <laughs> ideas guy uh but a guy named Rich Corson came to me a year a little over a year ago and he was doing, uh, if you've heard of the Smartless podcast with Jason Bateman and and uh, Will Arnett and Sean Hayes, they've kind of branched out and they they started a couple of their own spinoff podcasts and Owned is one of their first spinoffs. And he asked me if I'd be in, interested in uh, kind of hosting it and I didn't have anything better to do. And it <laughs> sounded like an amazing opportunity. Uh, it's kind of a it's fascinating owners yourself being an owner you know <laughs> that you guys control sort of the collective emotions of a fan base of an entire fan base just with something you might say in the media or if you trade a player or whatever and it it's sort of a an area of sports that we haven't really delved into too far and uh, so far it's just been fascinating yeah no i could see that i mean you have the jerry jones of the yeah. world the mark cubans yeah. um i like so what's the wildest thing or the most interesting thing that you've discovered since starting this podcast because i do believe that this is a very interesting group that i'm a part of it really is <laughs> and what what i've found is like okay so we had recently had natalie portman on who owns angel city out in la and Russell Crowe, also both actors, Oscar winning actors yeah. who've done crazy, amazing things in their lifetimes. But when you sit and talk to them, Russell in particular, he bought his childhood favorite rugby team. Crazy. He bought it from Rupert Murdoch for like $3 million. Rupert had sort of run it into the ground and he bought it in the early 2000s for $3 million. And 10 years later, they won the whole thing. And the, the, the franchise is worth like $85 million today. And that's what you, when you talk to him, 
that's what he's passionate about. He's done all this other stuff, but the sport, he loves it. He loves the athletes. You know, he grew up playing rugby. His, his uh, family grew up playing. It's just fun to hear these people talking about, you know, something that we know quite a bit about. Facts, yeah. And you wouldn't expect them to be passionate about it. So that that's just been a real treat for me. Yeah, so what have you seen about that? Because, like... I say this all the time that sports ownership is one of the most sought after opportunities. I don't care what line of profession you are coming from. What is it? Because it could be a somebody that's from the tech space. It could be somebody that was in. It doesn't matter what background you came from. It seems that sports ownership is attracting everyone. Why? You know, I don't know. I do know this. We're on this earth for some reason, and you have to have something to do. You must have something to do. And for a lot of us walking this planet, going to concerts, going to games, going to movies, all those things are part of that life. And when you go to those events, you normally have a really good time. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that owners, you know, some may have wanted to play sports, but I think it's the closest thing you can get. You know, there is nothing like being on a team. Nothing. Nothing. I, I was just thinking the other day about getting my like third grade basketball uniform. Like <laughs> I made the team. I made the team. What? I get to I get to do this. <laughs> you know, it's just something about being a part of a team that you really can't explain. And it's not really. Yeah, it's the winning and the losing, but it's the journey of the day in, the day out, the bus rides, the, you know, whatever it is, just being a part of something that's bigger than you. And I think that that's probably what's really attractive to people that have you know, enormous amounts of money. They're looking for excitement. And, you know, hopefully people like yourself, when they get into it, are looking to do some good as well in the community. Definitely. You know, as you were saying that, you you were basically going through the athlete life. And do you think that it's a little bit like, I know my family knows this. I sports explain everything. Like, are we, did we come out of this brainwashed? I'm just curious because it's like, yeah, I think we so. know a certain way we like to do things. We have ideas. Yeah. You know, John, John Lucas, if you don't know John, John was the number one pick in the draft. He had long, lengthy alcohol and, and drug issues, but he helps guys to this day. I think he's sober 30 years at this point. John said something pretty, pretty amazing to me one time, you know, and I, I, I came out of basketball and spent 13 or 14 years on painkillers and, it, you know, took having to dig out of that um, to get where I am now. But John, when I was with John during that time, um, when I was coming out of uh, recovery again, and he said, listen, Rex, you know, you got to figure out what's going on with you. Athletes die twice. They die when they quit playing and then they die at the end of life. And you got to figure out who you are and what you are. And, you know, I think honestly, and we've, we talked about this recently, you always knew what you wanted to do. You wanted to, you know, be involved in basketball and business. And I didn't, I was my stat sheet. I was the box score, and if I played poorly, I, you know, I was going to live it, eat it for the next till I can play again. Yep. I think that the other thing that people don't realize is that highly competitive people like yourself, making game winners and big shots and stuff like that, that's addictive. <laughs> you, you do it from the time you're in, you know, you do it several times a day in pickup games. Facts. You make shots, you talk, sh and... Most of the time, there's not, there aren't people around. When you do it in games, it's hard to explain. The thing you don't think about is you've been doing that since you're eight years old, all the way till I'm 32. Yeah, I'm going to quit playing. You don't realize you're going to miss that. You don't realize you're going to need to fill that void positively. Yeah. And then what happens when you don't fill it positively? Just straight down a hole. And so all the things that, you know, they, prepare us to do in the WNBA and the NBA, all the rookie transition, all the, all of that stuff. It matters. You should listen. People should pay attention because you will stop playing someday and you better find a way to fill your time productively. No, I mean, it's crazy. You say that because it's like fill, fill your time productively. And just a side note for people that may have heard you say, you know, that you were addicted for, yeah. you had seven surgeries towards the last three years of your playing career, just so people can understand you were prescribed Oxycontin, like Vicodin, you were prescribed every opiate. So you had to be on those to almost part of your recovery, but then the addiction happened and difference. I just wanted to give context so that people. Yeah, right. But you know what? Yes, it was. I, 
the thing you learn about addiction is that I, I like to say that I think I kind of rationalize myself that way and say, well, yeah, I came about it honestly. However you get there, you got there and you got to get out. That's the common thing. No matter, you know, whether I just went out one night and, you know, decide, oh yeah, let me try that. Or you get it from a doctor. It's the same addiction. And you just got to figure out how to get out of it. No, I'm glad you bring that up. Just it makes me think I'm sure a lot of people that are around people that are dealing with addiction, they think that it's a choice. But I would say that you would probably be like athletes. People would have to argue me up and down that athletes aren't some of the most mentally tough people in the world. Like, I know that there's difficult jobs that involve life and death. I do understand that. But the amount of pressure that a professional athlete puts on themselves um, gets from the outside public about performing. I just think that we have to break that stigma of all stigmas, even mental health. When you think about sports, when right. you were playing, and if you told somebody that you were struggling mentally, what nah, do you think they would have said? That was not a thing. And in fact, that really sort of did happen. I started, I know that I had depression from probably college on. I didn't really know what it was. Um, you know, and I kind of felt guilty about it because at the time, People would be like, depressed? What do you what do you got to be depressed about? That's not what we're talking about. When I got into the NBA, I was probably in my third, second or third year. And there was a really good player, played at University of Minnesota. His name was Willie Burton. Willie was like a second round pick, but he got 50 in the league a couple times and really could really play. Willie was a year or two younger than I was, and he had an episode out in public mm-hmm. and kind of a had a, you know, just sort of a breakdown. And he came out the next day and announced that he had, you know, been diagnosed, diagnosed with clinical depression and the knives came out Uh, like, like it was not acceptable. You're not supposed to talk to that. Yeah. Cause that was way before it was was in the early nineties, but it meant, no, it made me think I'm not talking about anything that I got going on with me. If that's how they're going to treat a guy that's, that's being, just being honest about, you know, his mental health struggles. Honestly, there was a big, you know, stigma with it. And I think it's better now, but you know, it's still something that, that, you know, you got to deal with again, you know, what are you going to do when you get there? You got to get out of it. No, I love that. And so I'm glad you did get out of it. And then you kind of shifted the whole narrative. You got into media, but for me, you also got into Twitter. You might've already been on there, but your online, like, like profile, it is amazing. You're to me, you're the funny guy posting videos, asking <laughs> funny questions, but also the accountability. You you provide accountability. So, like, what made you just decide that, like, all right, it's Twitter, and I'm going to have an impact on there? You know, I don't really think there was any one thing. I do think going through the struggles that I've been through uh, that I really didn't think existed in the world. I think coming out of that, it made me realize that. While I was a player, I squandered a lot of opportunities to maybe do good, do well, to do some positive things other than just put a ball in a basket. And I don't know, again, pandemic, all the social issues. I thought, you know, if I were a player right now, I know what I would be doing. And what's that? Trying to speak out for right and good. Injustice. Um, I grew up seeing it. And I picked my spots, but not near forcefully enough. So I think that that's been the biggest, uh, the biggest difference for me is just uh, understanding that there's more going on in the world than just me playing basketball. up next i talk more with rex chapman about playing against mj and also nba players having their own platforms now the good the bad and the ugly another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. 
Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, so we both grew up. Our whole upbringing was how do we be the best player that we can be? How do we win a championship? How do we do X, Y, and Z on the basketball court? So now fast forward to both of our lives. For me, I think that there probably is going to become a point, if not already, where a lot of people don't even know me as the basketball player. They know me as either the Atlanta Dream co-owner, vice president, or FCF or something. So how wild is it to you that we spent our whole upbringing life trying to be, I mean, you became an NBA star. I know, I know. And now people may not recognize, they might know you as the internet guy. I know. <laughs> I was the eighth pick in the draft, first pick of the Charlotte Hornets. And I think about this story once a week when people bring this up it was probably about five years ago six years ago i was at the combine in chicago nba combine and i've got my lanyard on you know with my name on it mm-hmm. and grant williams boston celtics yeah that's my guy <laughs> yeah comes out on the court and i've, I've been covering grant for the last couple of years doing kentucky basketball mm-hmm. so he played at tennessee we faced him he, he's great love him i'm at the combine i'm out on the court Players are starting to walk out on court. He's participating in the combine and walks up to me and goes, hey, Rex Chapman. I went, yeah. He said, the Twitter guy. Ah. <laughs> I said, yep, that's it. And then a little <laughs> later, I guess, in the day or maybe the next day, somebody had told him and he came back <laughs> up and apologized, like it was apologizing. So every time I see him now, we kind of <laughs> laugh about it. But that ha- that does happen quite a lot. And it happens more. It happens more with ladies. Like I'll be in the. <laughs> supermarket or something and so a lady will go are you Rex Chapman I'll be like yeah and right <laughs> away I know they're they don't know anything about sports they're not watching sports they don't know me for basketball that's crazy Grant <laughs> Grant come on Grant like you we gotta know better we gotta know the people I mean at least the lottery picks okay like uh, at least the lottery picks but hey, he wasn't even alive yet he wasn't <laughs> even alive yet I got to accept it. No, I mean, I'm just giving you a hard time, but it's like, so, okay, so let's get into that then because you said he wasn't even alive yet. And even from, I didn't retire that long ago and the WNBA has changed dramatically. So other than the money of it all, what do you think has changed the most since your time in the NBA? Oh, wow. Social media, the internet, uh, you know, when I was playing, you could not listen to sports radio. You, you could just choose to not do that because sports radio was becoming really toxic every local, you know, and it was just sort of a, you know, you just didn't want to listen to it every day. You could tune that out. Social media, it's everywhere. I mean, these guys know what's being said about them all the time. And that's, that's hard. They have a level of responsibility that we didn't have. They could go out without phones and video. They could do, do a lot more stuff that guys don't get in trouble more often is a real testament to them guys and girls. It's just, it's different from a basketball perspective. We could hold and grab all, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, hand checking and defensively. It was just, it was more physical. It's more aesthetically pleasing today. And the players, you know, it used to be, and you, you remember going to college, it wasn't like the game has changed. You always had four or five girls, guys on the court who couldn't shoot outside 15 feet. Right. Who couldn't dribble or couldn't dribble with both hands. Now, 10 girls, 10 guys on the court can dribble, pass, and shoot. The whole game has changed. I don't like saying they're better than we are, but you got it. We got to let it go. People are better. They they're more are skilled. Better. They're better. You know, if I was. <laughs> If I'm driving right-handed baseline and I got to make the hammer pass, I can pick that thing up off the dribble and whip it across there. If I'm going left-hand baseline, I'm I'm picking up, I'm throwing it across my body, jumping out of bounds to try to make it. We didn't do that. I agree. I agree so much. And the reason I say they're better in a sense of the game has evolved. Like everybody asked the questions of, 
why are so many records being broken now? It's because it's like, I can't imagine if I shot 15 threes in one game. I know that I didn't retire that long ago. But in 2009, when I came into the league, if I were to be shooting 15 threes. Oh, my God. People be, t they'd be mad at you, man. The teammates be like, drive the ball. Yeah, it just was not the thing. But to your point, I love the game. It's so aesthetically pleasing. We get to see people like Steph Curry, Kelsey Plum, Ryan Howard change the game in a sense of the volume shooting from three. Uh, but I'm also curious, what are your thoughts then on, you know how you said social media of it all, what about player podcasts? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Because right now we see that a lot of players, they get to have their voice be heard. There's obviously pros and cons to everything. So I'm curious your thoughts. I'm really concerned to see or um, anxious to see how it, how it goes. Yep. I think you have to be really good, like really good. Draymond, for instance, Draymond and Paul George, they seem to be a little more opinionated in the summertime when they're not playing <laughs> because you got to back that shit up every single night. You got to go out and you're a target. So I'm kind of interested to see how it plays out. I know Pat Bev and some other guys have podcasts now. And by and large, I think it's a good thing because for so long, players, men, women, were at the mercy of their teams to tell the narrative. And now, players can they have their own platform now and they can speak their mind a little bit uh freer and and i think that's for the good no i agree and you make a, you bring a good point i didn't really think about that but do you think that people are actually gonna like make you yeah what's that stuff you was talking on the podcast yeah, like it's, i would <laughs> i damn sure would i really would like the stuff of pg has stirred up with devin booker uh -huh. you know which i kind of like yeah i kind of like it it's good for the but game it, it's good for the game but you better be that guy i mean you better because <laughs> now the knives are after you yes yeah, trash talking with microphones in front of you and now we all know what you said we know when the scheduled game is so like, we like all right for me <laughs> if i had a podcast back in the day and i got to go out and play michael tonight <laughs> and i'm talking shit about whatever well it just, that's that's hard. <laughs> if you were in your playing days and you were you in your playing days, would you know better than to do that? Or would you? Yes. <laughs> yes. Don't wake the bear. Yeah. So it really was that like while you were a player, y'all still, y'all looked at Michael like this is. No, 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 no. I, everybody. <laughs> I, I looked at everybody that oh, okay. way. I hope they looked at me that way. Okay. It, was just, it was a different. No, you weren't definitely weren't given that deference, but you did know. If you let Michael get going, mm -hmm. it's over. Yeah. It's over. If you let him dunk one in Chicago Stadium, the crowd's going to go crazy. <laughs> and it's almost over at that point during the in the 90s. It's so crazy hearing people talk about Michael because everyone speaks in the same tone, the same breath. Well, he's, he was the best. We didn't really know that. I mean, you kind of did, but you were not going to give that up to anybody. I enjoyed playing against him because he hated chasing screens. <laughs> He would die on screens. He would just gamble and and run away. And so I knew I was going to get 15 good looks every time I played against Michael and them <laughs> on the ball. Come on. He was he was tough, but, you know, he just didn't like running around screen. OK, so there's there's some truth to this, because you did have an unreal game where you went off for like 39 points, had nine three pointers against the Which 96 time? Bulls, 96 Bulls. You were <laughs> look, 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 you already starting to give because you know which one I'm talking about. You 96 Bulls, they one of their 10 losses that season. Do you remember that game? I'm just curious, because I do. What do you remember from that game? Uh, we only had like eight guys available. We had made a, a trade. And I had actually been on South Beach with a bunch of the Bulls players the night before the game. <laughs> they stayed out all night. What? Yeah, I was not. Uh, I left. So I knew they'd been out all night. Also, they're coming to Miami. We we ended up being the eight seed that year. They were the one seed. So this was only like three, I don't know, a couple months left in the season. And we just snuck them. I got really hot. And it wasn't even like it was a close game. They kind of came back. and But we, you know, they just... It, you know how it is. If you let a good player get going in in any in a professional league, you've got your hands full. Yeah. And so I, I had just got going that night, and we beat them. But fast forward two weeks later, we played them again at home. Mm -hmm. And um, Michael and I, same agent, he called me to go to Carolina for Dean Smith. I've known him forever. His mom and dad went to our games in Charlotte. You know, he's from Carolina. So we've known each other forever. And we played that game. We beat them. And then we played them two weeks later, and the ball, uh, jump ball goes up. We're at home. 
ball goes up. Michael cracked me in the sternum with an elbow and I just almost crumpled. And I was like, oh, shit. like, all right, well, it's going to be like that. Tonight. Yeah, he was letting you know early. He was letting me know he did not forget. I, I hadn't even been thinking that he was like upset about it. I really wasn't. I just thought, you know, <laughs> it was a throwaway game for them. He was upset about it for a couple of weeks. And then he got like, I don't know, 40 and didn't play the third. And I got like 15 on three for 13. And and then after the game, you know, we see each other again. He kind of winks and smiles and we dap each other up. But... <laughs> Listen, there's something about the greats where they don't forget stuff. Because yeah. they said Kobe Bryant, he had told like his teammates that he's running through Pal Gasol, like first play of the game. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like he's like, uh-uh, we're not doing like there's something about the great dominance, that dominance. Yeah. They don't and like you, do, you, you to even it. you don't even get your little bit of win. You know, you got your 39 points. You was happy. Like he didn't even but you know what? <laughs> To become great at something, yeah, whatever it is, I think you do, you have to sacrifice a little bit of sanity. You know, all those days at the park, all those days at the gym where you're getting your ass kicked and all that, tuning that out and going back and getting your brains beat back in the next day <laughs> just because you want to get better takes a special kind of crazy. Definitely. And so when you were talking about coming out of high school, coming out of college, you know, how do you adjust? You better adjust because, you know, Having that mentality as an athlete is great. Having it as a person in life is not always great. You know, you got to be able to turn it off a little bit. Have you learned to turn it off? A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> All right, because I want to say. It's taking time. I was going to ask you, what was your point? What would be a pointer? Because I'm really sure that, you know, we're sitting here, two retired athletes that, you know, we honestly got to play a lot into our career. I mean, you played 666 games over a 12-year span. And so I played 11 years in WNBA. We got to live our lives. But then there's some players that didn't get to live out probably their full hoop dreams. How do you switch that off when it – when I mean, because you've even, I would say, hit rock bottom in a sense of you've been through a lot. Where do you go from? Like, how do you get up from rock bottom? I think that's just it. You, what are you going to do? Are you going to quit? And that's not really an option. Or are you going to fight? And you just got to dig down to all the things that helped, you know, get you where you got. And you got to go back. You know, I had to go back. I had to learn the value of a dollar again that I might have never known. You know, coming from high school where they're paying, you know, kind of paying me to go to college. I never had to worry about money. Did, did you they know, pay you I, to go to college, Rex? Well, you know, you know, they, not legally. <laughs> <laughs> but they needed to. I wanted no part of college. <laughs> right. <laughs> they did their job. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it's hard to I think it was a hard lesson for me to learn because the real world is not like a locker room. Yeah. You know, you can't. You can get mad at somebody in the locker room or on the court and you can cuss them out and you can maybe fight with them. Yeah. That doesn't work in the Atlanta dream front office. <laughs> Back. Right. You know, you got to deal with people in a real way. And if you've never really if that's not part of your DNA, that's something you have to learn. And it was something I had to learn. That's true. No, that's a good point. I mean, we learn a lot of ways that are good on the athlete side, but we do have to unlearn a lot of things that the way we communicate as athletes, I asked um, one of the directors that started working with the dream, what's the biggest thing you noticed working with athletes? And she was like, how you guys communicate? And I'm like, I could see that because we're direct, we're blunt. You better not take offense to it. I'm not going to take offense to it. If you do take offense to it, you better be over it by game time or you better be over it yeah. next play. And so a I lot of unspoken stuff, you know, just a look. Yeah. You know, uh, on the court, it's so many unspoken things. You learn your own language with your teammates and it's a totally different world in the real world. Agreed. All right. One last question. It's a fun question because right now we have we talked about greatness. And I think that there's so many parallels between greatness and athletes and entertainers. And right now we have some of the greats on tour in a sense of Beyonce is on tour with the Renaissance tour. We got Drake on tour. We got Taylor Swift on tour. So I have a twofold question for you of those three, which one have you, are you, or have seen going to see, and then who's an icon performer that you wish to see perform live before it's all said and done or wish to have seen perform live. Okay. So Beyonce would be one. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. And then I, li I like Drake. Drake's a UK Kentucky guy, Cal, John Calipari. But why are you friends. saying Drake is UK? I, I, no, 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 no. He, he no, is. No, no. Drake is UK. Drake what? is UK. 
And so, and, and I love Drake, but I also love Taylor Swift. My youngest daughter is 23 and she still has a, a cardboard cutout of Taylor Swift. Oh, wow. And I also try to figure out what is the hate for Taylor Swift? So there's some people that hate Taylor Swift. I see. I don't know nothing about her, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I go Taylor Swift two, Beyonce one, Taylor Swift two, and Drake three. Mm, okay. Prince. Prince is my man. Prince is one of the reasons, too, I wore number three, because I saw a picture of Prince when I was uh, in high school playing on his high school basketball <laughs> with an Blouses. afro and number three. Blouses. Yes. And I got I, I was given the number three because it was one of the smallest uniforms on the court or <laughs> in the program. Double zero and three. I was the second smallest kid. They gave me number three. Once I saw Prince had it, I was like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> Purple rain, purple, purple rain. rain. Shouts to Prince, man. Everybody knows we got to perform live with him at Paisley Park after we won Minnesota. Rex Chapman, listen, love your journey. Love how, like you said, you pulled yourself up, you figured it out, and now you have a page on Twitter that I think just does nothing but spews positivity. And I love it, accountability, and we love to see it in an ally like you. So thank you for joining me here on Montgomery & Co, Rex. Anytime. I'll come back anytime and i want to see an atlanta dream game pull up courtside oh he said listen he said courtside pull up let me know when you're in the a pull up on me i will coming up next we get into it beyonce drake taylor swift who is the greatest right now performing and who do you want to see before it's all said and done? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, y'all. So I just asked Rex, who would he want to go see in concert? Because we have Beyonce on concert, the Renaissance tour. We have Drake on concert and we have Taylor Swift on concert. First of all, side note, these concerts, we have probably three of the biggest performers right now to date out in concert. And just to give you some concept, the highest grossing concerts in history, Boardroom put out who had the highest grossing concerts in the history of concerts. And the first one was George Strait, 18.1 million. My man, George, I like him. Okay, so Snook likes George. And that happened in 2014. That was at AT&T Stadium. And they're talking about one night, one night only. Y'all know that, that drill. So one night only, how much money did they bring in? So George Strait. 18.1 million in 2014. Then Snook's man again, George Strait, in 2023, he made 16.6 million. Then at number three, we got Beyonce. She made 16.5 million in one night. Then we have Beyonce again at number four in 2023. So here's the thing she did MetLife Stadium two separate times. So both of those times she sold out. 16.5 million, which makes her number three and four on the list. And then at number five, we got George Strait again at 16.3. So just to put it in perspective, Beyonce and George Strait have the top five biggest grossing concerts in history, ranging from 16 to 18 million in one night. One night. All right. So that's just, I just like to give stats and numbers so that people can know like this is big business. Everybody's pulling up. So I want to ask you guys, who are you pulling up to in what order? There's Beyonce, Drake, Taylor Swift. What order are you pulling up? I would just save my money and go Beyonce three different times. Oh, Cole. So Cole said Beyonce, Beyonce, Beyonce. <laughs> yep. Okay, but you don't even have an order. So you don't even, you're not fooling with Drake. I'm not fooling with Drake and I'm not fooling. I'm definitely not a Swifty. <laughs> so you can, you can count that out. I can't. Oh it's too goodness. sugary. It's too sweet, sugary, sweet for me. I can't. Snook a book a 
what you feel and what order are you going? Beyonce, Drake, Taylor Swift. Okay. Well, you know, I'd have to go with the Queen Bee first. Uh, <laughs> this is something uh, my daughters kind of snuffed me out. All three of them wanted to go to Beyonce. And <laughs> no one asked me did I want to go. So, you know, maybe they thought I was too old or whatever. No. <laughs> but I would go to uh, the Queen Bee, Beyonce first. And then I would go to uh, Drake second. Although he's not from my era or anything, he plays that kind of music that kind of makes you feel good. So I kind of like him <laughs> okay. a little bit. I listen to him a little bit. And then Taylor Swift third, because, you know, like I said, I'm old. And at her concerts, she'd be having seismic uh, equation. I mean, uh, what do you call it? Earthquakes in the floor and the earth be rumbling and stuff. So I don't want her to bring down a building when I'm there. So. Oh, goodness. I knew you were in trouble when you walked in. So wait a minute. So, you said Drake. You be listening to a little bit of his music. You know, they be throwing bras on stage and stuff panties and bras look they threw diapers on the stage in my ears so <laughs> what <laughs> wait why why diapers the performers were wearing diapers yeah, the, and they yeah were the funk, those are the funkadelics yeah they were wearing diapers that's oh okay okay <laughs> oh look and that's why i don't want to hear nothing because y'all's era loves to talk about how we dress <laughs> and what we feel like right and gives me yes. so much trouble for holding Every time my I see dreams. Some ripped jeans right ripped jeans diddy says oh baby you buy them hose and y'all mean to tell me that y'all had grown men run around in diapers <laughs> Yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay. yes, ma George Clinton and them boys is what Roy's talking about in the chat. But OK, uh, Serena, what you got? What's your order of who would you pull up on? You know, we went to see Beyonce. So that was I, I told Renee didn't that was take me. I'm so sorry. Snake. I didn't even know we were going until maybe like two or three days before. Yes, yeah, a surprise. <laughs> I told Renee that was probably one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. And I'm counting like marriage, honeymoon, like oh, birth. Wow. Oh, wow. everything it was it was that great Beyonce is that, and I'm a performer so of course I appreciated it in a whole nother way but um okay so of course Beyonce first and I will be like called to you three different times but we gotta I, I gotta show love <laughs> to the other artists Drake second uh -huh. and I am a little bit of a Swifty so I almost I almost put her number two I almost but, put her wait, two, let me just say let me three. go back let me go back after you read those numbers I probably need to go see what George Strait doing Right. Right. What is anytime he he's beating out Beyonce consistently, I gotta see what's going on. Oh, he's honky tonking, and I like that honky tonk. <laughs> yeah, music. Bro, I, uh, I'm telling you, he's doing something. He's honky tonking. Yeah, I'm telling you, something's <laughs> happening because he beat Beyonce not once but twice. Right. I gotta see what's going on in his yeah, concerts. The top five list. There's only two people on the top five list. I need to know what's going on at them concerts. So yes. Okay, For so real. mine would be the same. It would be Beyonce, Drake, Taylor Swift. And I'ma just say right here, I don't know nothing about Taylor Swift. So that's why I'm like, I, it's a no judge zone for me. I don't know Taylor Swift. I don't know. I know some of her hit songs, of course. Like I just sang, I knew you were trouble when you walked in. I'm sure I know a couple more of the popular ones, but I'ma just be very honest and say, like, for me. Taylor Swift is last on my list because I don't know anything about her. I don't know her music. She's not on any of my playlists. And it's not nothing against her. It's just I don't I, I listen to different people. So honestly, Jean Aiko is on Janae, my playlist. Janae. Janae. I okay. always got to tell her how to say that name. Janae Aiko. I love you, Janae Aiko. You are on all of the playlists. So it's like my playlist is just about who I like. I'm only saying that because I don't want no Swifty problems over here. <laughs> you don't want no problems with nobody. It's just that's our preference. Okay. So having said that, I'm curious, though, because there's your favorite artist and then there's who would you want to see perform? Like, you know, like who would you want to see perform either before they have passed away? Because there's some great performers that are no longer here or before you have passed away. Not in no dark stuff, but who do you want to see before it's all said and done? Like, I feel like concerts, Serena talked about it a little bit. I still have Beyonce in my system. Like the Renaissance tour is still in my blood, in my thought process. I'm randomly singing the songs. I randomly think about certain scenes. Blue Ivy is a legend. That's Jay-Z and Beyonce's daughter. And you could just see as she was walking up there and she was walking down the thing. It was just like, you could just feel the raw. I told Renee, yeah, I, I told Renee reminded me of the scene in Lion King, you know, when they're yes. lifting up Simba and all the animals are like looking at her. We <laughs> yes. were like all the little animals bum, bum, like bum, looking bum, at Blue Ivy. She was just 
Yes, it was. It was magical. It was, it magical. was literally that. So I felt it all. Like I felt everything Beyonce was doing. So it's like, had I not have seen Beyonce, she would have been the one on my list in the sense of wanted to see. Because for me, I got to perform and see Prince. So that is not on my list because I've experienced it. Um, Beyonce, I got to perform. I'm not perform. I got to see her perform. Um, Jay-Z, I've seen him perform. So when I'm picking mine, I'm making sure you guys know, like, these people aren't on the list because I've actually gotten I'm blessed to be able to see them perform. I've seen Rihanna perform. I've seen a lot of people perform. So the person that I would want to see perform that I'm mad that I have not seen is come on now. It's Mike Jack. It's it's Michael Jackson. Mm, I've seen him perform. You have Snook? <laughs> no. Oh, for real? See, this is what I'm saying. So everybody's answers are going to be different. So then you, Snook, who would you want to see perform then that you haven't seen perform? Well, well, well. It would have to be a house is not a home. Luther. Okay. I didn't get to get to see oh, Luther. I'm yes. so hurt about that because okay. Luther is. Mm. And if I had one, two, three, it would be Luther, Prince, and Whitney. But Luther is what? I said, Luther is my favorite. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't get to hear him perform when he was living. You guys because- are missing the joke, you old geezers. This is the thing. I, Snook said Luther is... Mm. And everybody up here missed it but me. I heard it. I said, well, well, well. Well, well, well. That's what I said. Well, well, well. So she's going to go see Luther because she's thirsty. Okay, Cole, who are you going to go see, Cole? Yeah, this was a hard one for me because I there's quite a few. Of course, Prince. Because, oh, yeah. Of course, Prince. That's I knew the, you was that's say the that. main one. But then I would have loved to see Aretha. So I would have loved to see Mahalia. I would have loved to see. There's some people, some powerhouse women that I would just love to have just sat and listened to. So they could have stood on stage, not done a thing, but just blow like me that. through the walls. And I think Aretha and, and Mahalia are two that I would love to have seen. But my number one is Prince. Oh, that's I knew it was going to be Prince for Prince. you. Ooh, ooh. Goodness, yes. Let it me. <laughs> I love that. Prince and Michael Jackson were definitely going to make my list, but yes. I have like a top five. I would say um, definitely my number one will be Whitney, just because I feel like oh, I learned yeah. to sing with Whitney. That when she when she died, I was heartbroken. I was like, oh, I didn't get to even sing with her on stage. I was so heartbroken. I was like, no, okay. So my second one would probably have to be Selena. I knew it. Yeah, I mean Renee. Anybody who knows me knows that I know that I love Selena and Whitney. Selena Gomez. Well, I'm not Selena Gomez. Selena Quintanilla. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Okay, Mom, I, was I was like, no, let me stop this life. right here. Let me stop it right here. <laughs> and shout out to Selena Gomez. Only murderers in the building. It's only murders. She keeps saying only murderers in the building. It's only murders in the building. <laughs> number three. Uh, number three. Okay, so he's uh, he's a a Mexican singer and I actually did get to see him so I'm just this is this is kind of like one that I'm grateful that I saw before he passed away and that's Vicente Fernandez anybody who knows Vicente Fernandez he passed away and he's an absolute legend when I saw him I was like I can't when he passed away I was so grateful that I got to see uh yeah Rose in the in the chat she said hey exactly he's the king everybody calls him and hey he was, um, that's somebody that I'm very, very grateful that I got to see. And I wish I could see him again. I just so happened to be at Miss Lucy's house. That's uh, Serena's mom. And when he had passed away, the whole house it was, was a crying. big deal. So yeah, like, you know how, like, <laughs> I want people to understand, like when Michael Jackson or somebody like that passed away and people that didn't know him, but just was like, wow, was crying and it was a big deal. <clears throat> that's what he was to them because their whole family it was like a very emotional moment so for me when I hear the name it's like I might not recognize it but I just want people to know that like this was this was an icon it's because of what music represents you know like even I guess it's like exactly it's like his songs you know people get emotional because a lot of people fell in love to his songs or they pr- probably reminds them of one of people of one of their parents or something even at the Beyonce concert when she started singing Dangerously in Love I started crying because that's me and Renee's song and I was like oh my god I, can't, I couldn't help but to cry it's just the emotions that music invokes in the memories that that's that's what means so much i love that and what about number five what who finishes out your list oh man michael jackson of course yeah me too michael i would have done michael too i felt like the closest i got to michael was beyonce she's kind of like the female version of michael yeah i'm not gonna lie honestly like beyonce people have to just understand that 
Like, I know people might be sick of hearing about Beyonce right now because she's on tour and everywhere she goes, the whole city, like they called it BayTL, BTL. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like BayTL instead of ATL, like everywhere she goes, the whole city, and I'm and probably the same for other artists as well. But what I see, what she's doing in every city she goes to, the how the whole city conforms to her. I'm sure that the same thing's happening with Taylor Swift. That's why I'm making sure people understand. Like, I'm just not following Taylor Swift, so I don't know. I'm following Beyonce. And she's, like, has the highest grossing tour dates in history. And then she has whole cities shutting down for her. So it's just, like, when you see an icon, what you call an icon living, that's, like, people that got to see Michael Jackson live, people that watch Michael Jordan play live, People right now that get to watch LeBron James and we have the saying that we are all witnesses when Nike had that campaign. It really is true because now kids, they have like, I've seen tape of Michael Jordan and I've seen games like I can remember a little bit, you know, like I can remember things that you can only watch tape of Michael Jordan. Some people may never watch LeBron in person. These are some of the greatest. So Talent is a real thing. I talk about sports talent, entertainment talent, and talent is a real thing in a sense of when you get to experience it. I was in the presence of greatness when we were at the Renaissance tour. Definitely. And you could tell that everybody felt it. Yeah. And so there's just something to be said about being in the presence of greatness, whether it's and even her fans, fans, too. Like, they're so proud of being Beyonce's fans. It was like everybody there It was just like a big party. Everybody was just really, really proud to be a Beyonce fan. And it was like even my sister, she was like, I felt like I was getting like hypnotized, but I wanted to get hypnotized. I loved it. Bring it on. <laughs> so it's just like yeah. we just wanted to talk about greatness because we always see greatness in the sense of sports and we see the stats that they do and the triple doubles and they're breaking records but what's happening right now in music is that same kind of triple double run Beyonce's on it right now Beyonce got a quadruple double if this was sports Beyonce is is trying to solidify herself as one of the greats and has done it with this tour and with the money that she's bringing in because that is their stats how many albums you sell that is your stats how many people show up at your tours and your tour dates? That is your stats. And right now, Beyonce's looking like MVP. MVP. She made the greatest of all time list. So there it is. All right. So that's it for this week. And the thing that I keep thinking about right now is how Rex Chapman said you do have to lose a little bit of your sanity. It's kind of true to put yourself through what athletes, entertainers, or anyone that's reached a certain level of success, you do have to be a little bit crazy because you have to do the abnormal. You have to push yourself past what your limits are. You have to set new limits for yourself and only a crazy person would do that. But you have to be a little bit crazy to think you're gonna be successful, to think you're gonna stand out amongst a billion people. Is being crazy a generational thing? I don't know, I'm just saying. But to be successful, you have to sacrifice. See y'all next week where it's a generational thing. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.